good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen, and Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes, but I have some questions. In short, just, just for someone like me, I believe, but there's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily anything soul-shaking. It might be just something that's been bugging me for a while. And I find that rather getting into a deep theological discussion, chapter and verse, sometimes just a casual front porch-style talk of the pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. You can send in your questions anytime by email to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. You can call if they're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, at area code 314-8210850 or toll-free anywhere in the lower 48 states, 1-800-730-2727. Pastor, welcome back to the front porch. Yes, it's good to be back. <laughs> uh, good to have you here. You know... This this program particularly is is of significance to me. Okay, because you happen to be my pastor, <laughs> and you know I I I know a lot of pastors, obviously working in the IC. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, most of my I call them by their first name. I even call President Harris and Matt, you know, things yeah. like that. But you're always going to be Pastor Lawrence to me. Okay, <laughs> reason for that is you're my pastor. I understand. You're my pastor. Yeah. And there are some things that, you know, I, I look to you for guidance in, in areas where I would not with the with the others here. Uh, and in fact, that's really what I wanted to, to discuss a little bit. You know, what are the, are the things that a parishioner would look for in a pastor? And I know in my case, uh, if I go through a spiritual crisis, I will go to you. Okay. I, I know that on Sundays you're going to explain the gospel to me, right. and you know, like I said, there's a lot I don't understand about gospel, and that's one of the things I really like about your sermons. Oh, thanks! Is that you're able to to bring it down to terms that I can understand, you know? Thanks. And you know, sometimes the Bible just doesn't seem all that clear, but you could somehow just cut right through it. Yeah, well, when that happened, I always said, "Then the Holy Spirit um, preached." <laughs> <laughs> Well, he works a lot with you, believe me. <laughs> but you know, it's it's if I'm sick, you're the one I, I want to be. I want to to come and give me spiritual comfort. Yeah. And when the time comes for me to to go, yeah, you're the one I want to have do the memorial service for me. Okay, these are all things that I expect from a pastor. What is your view of that? What do you think the parishioners expect of you? Mm, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting to take a survey <laughs> and go, what do you um, expect of me? Uh -huh. um, but uh, I know what my responsibilities are, you know. Um, you know, we we talk about the, the right hand and the left hand kingdom. Yes. You know, and when you have the, 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 left, the left hand kingdom is the government. And uh, they have certain responsibilities um, laid out, even in Scripture, whether they um, acknowledge them or not. But uh, there are certain responsibilities laid out in uh, Romans 13 mm -hmm. for the government, um, how they should uh, be uh, punishing bad behavior 
and rewarding good behavior. That's their responsibility um, and to keep order in the world. Um, but then, you know, you, you also have the right-hand kingdom, which is the church, mm-hmm. which uh, um, oversees the spiritual welfare of God's people. Um, and, of course, that is played out uh, chiefly um, in the divine service. You know, as you mentioned earlier, that, um, you know, you expect that uh, when you come to church, your your pastor is going to be there. He's going to be the one conducting the divine service. He's going to be the one preaching the sermon. He's going to be the one administering the, the sacraments. Um, and so that's where you see most of it um, played out. Um, regarding the pastor's responsibility, um, a good place to start, um, you're probably familiar with, uh, with Luther's um, Tables of Duty, you know I'm not. Let's go into that a bit. Yeah, in in his table of duties, which is in the catechism, and I think um, ever so often when we teach catechism, we just uh, look at the six chief parts. You know? <laughs> right. Just, you know, get the person through the six chief parts, make sure they understand that, and then we confirm them. But a good place to start is with the tables of duties. Um, which it talks about um, the to bishops, pastors, and preachers, and Luther has these uh, uh, passages from First Timothy, First Timothy chapter three, verses two through four, and verse um, six, where it says, "The overseer must be above reproach, the husband of but one wife, temperate, self-control." respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper respect. And then he goes on, he must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the, the devil. Um, and also in Titus, Titus chapter 1, verse 9, it says, He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. And so, and these... Of course, you know, Timothy, the epistle to Timothy and Titus are known as the pastoral epistles Mm -hmm. that uh, St. Paul wrote. Um, Another one that is good is where we talk about what the hearers owe to their pastor. And he quotes um, 1 Corinthians 9.14, where he says, The Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel... Uh, should receive their living from the gospel. And in Galatians 6, uh, verse 6 through 7, he, he quotes, um, Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And he quotes again from First Timothy chapter 5, 
where it says, uh, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while he's treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. And from First uh, Thessalonians, uh, he quotes, uh, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And also from Hebrews 13, He has obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Um, I think, you know, Luther's uh, Tables of Duty makes it clear um, from the pastor's side what his responsibilities are to make sure that uh, God's flock, because it's really God's flock, not his, you know, pastor means shepherd, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but ultimately there is one good shepherd over the flock, and that is Christ Jesus. And all of us are on the shepherd, serving under the good shepherd. (laughs) And so our responsibility is, um, we are accountable, first of all, to that good shepherd. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we are accountable to him. I can't uh, do anything or say anything that... uh, is not in line with what he would want said or done. Now, that has to be difficult sometimes in determining exactly what the Scripture and the doctrine mean. Now, I think we in the Missouri Synod, I think, are very fortunate, much more so than many other denominations, where they will suddenly decide, oh, gee, maybe we should change the meaning of the Scripture. Uh, And, and, I mean, we see this in a lot of different churches where we're pretty steadfast. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't judge the Bible. The Bible judge us. Yeah. <laughs> That's the position we hold. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I got into a debate with a guy the other day on uh, Facebook uh, about the Bible. Uh, and uh, he was saying, you know, it's a beautiful book. There's a lot I really like about the Bible, but there's a lot I just reject. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> you can't be a Christian and do that. And do that, right. Yeah, there's a lot I don't, you know, you could say there's a lot I don't understand. Yeah. And there's a lot, you know, the, the sinful side of me wrestle with. Yeah. But ultimately, it's right and I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I understand that. You know, there are parts of the Bible I don't especially like, but that's my fault. Yeah, yeah. It's something, it, 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 uh, it points to my sin. Yeah. And, and when it points to your sin, of course, it's not. you're not going to like it. <laughs> yeah, I know. The things I'd like to do that it says I can't. You know? that I, yeah, you're right. The things I must do that I, should, that I really don't want to do. Exactly. But that's, that's the point. And as I say, I think this is one area where we in the Senate are so fortunate. Yes. Yeah. And that we do have solid doctrine. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we hold to the, the scriptures and the, and the Lutheran confessions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as long as we hold to that, um, you know, we are <laughs> on uh, safe ground, you know, um, even though, yes, there are some in our synod that wants to, you know, um, uh, play fast and loose, <laughs> as we would say. <laughs> yeah. But I think the majority, 
is going to hold you to the scriptures and the confession. And that is very good. That is very good. Yeah, but I think, you know, also with, uh, you know, as we, as you carry out your responsibility as a, as a pastor, you, first of all, remember um, who you're accountable to and that you're ultimately accountable to, to God for what, uh, um, it's like when you're raising children too, you know, um, ultimately your children, even though, you know, your wife gave birth to them, you realize that ultimately your children are not yours. Um, you're just, uh, placed, um, in charge of them. Mm-hmm. But they're God's. <laughs> yes. They're God's children. And uh, so, you know, you can't just do as you please. You can't just say, well, it's my child, so I'm going to do this. Or, no, no, no. You're, you're accountable to God for what you do with your, how you raise your children. Um, and, uh, you know, when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, he wants you to raise them in a God-pleasing way. And And so, you know, you think about who you're accountable to as you carry out your responsibility. Well, that's part of the thing where I was talking about what my expectation of you is. Yeah. Uh, And those of us who are laymen, lay people, we don't have the benefit of the seminary experience. We don't have the benefit of the, all the theological training that you have had. And uh, I, I am aware there is a lot that I don't understand, or even worse, misunderstand, okay. concerning concerning the gospel, concerning the teachings, uh, and I suspect I'm not the only one who sits in uh, your congregation, our congregation that right. uh, that it. has those. Right. Um, and as I say, this is where I look to you for that kind of guidance. Yeah. And sometimes I don't even know that I'm missing a doctrinal point. Until it's pointed out to me. Ah, well, that's good. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) That's good because, you know, I I think sometimes, you know, as preachers, um, we, uh, especially when I sit with uh, the guys in pericopal study, and, uh, you know, um, we think more in terms of we are reminding parishioners of what they know to be true. You know, that's how we approach sermon writing mm-hmm. you know it's not about novelty it's not about um, necessarily coming up with something new but reminding them of what they know to be true and uh sometime you know we end up saying things that they weren't aware of yeah and then they go oh i wasn't aware of that there's one lady that sits not too far from you and uh, a couple of times she would uh, say to me at the at the narthex when she's on our way out she said boy i'm sure i'm sitting under you learning because yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> oh yeah like, okay <laughs> so you know i think we end up doing a lot of teaching and so you know you also want to make sure that you use your your sermon in a teachy way also mm-hmm. um, not only a preachy way but also a teachy way that's a great that's a great point because i i have heard too many pastors who preach and don't, and don't teach. teach. <laughs> yeah. And you got to sort of do both, you know, yeah. um, because it's true. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, the connections or, or certain points of teaching may not be clear or maybe even forgotten. Mm-hmm. And you need to bring it up again. And so, 
But I think, you know, overall, what you really want to accomplish is uh, you want God's people to be to be fed, spiritually fed, to be built up in their most holy faith. You know, because the Holy Spirit uh, kindled faith in, in God's people when they were baptized. And now your responsibility as the pastor is to preach the word, teach the word in a way that is going to nourish and strengthen that faith, you know. And so that's that's how it's played out um, in, um, in the divine service. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, um, I am so thankful sometimes for the liturgy for that reason. Because I think sometimes the liturgy reminds me of what I should be preaching. Like at the memorial service um, on Saturday, you know, um, the nuke dimittis, you know, became something that a reminder to me, you know, that, okay, you know, this brother in Christ departed this world and he departed it in peace. Because while he was here, he saw God's salvation. Where did he see it? He saw it in the Word of God. He received it in the Blessed Sacrament. And so, yes, now he could depart this world in peace. And I think, you know, the, especially when you make the connection with the liturgy and make the liturgy speak to the members anew, you know, not just words that they regurgitate yeah. week after week, but look at it anew and say, oh, well, that's what it meant for this brother who departed. Um, what does it mean for me? Well, I'm not departing this life, but I'm departing this service to go out and and live like a reconciled child of God, like someone reconciled to him. So I think a lot of it is, uh, <clears throat> you know, you thank God for the liturgy as it, uh, as it speaks God's, as, as God's people are speaking his word back to him. Mm-hmm. And that word is also a word that, that nourishes and strengthens their faith. And they are fed. I mean, they are really fed from, from the liturgy. Well, I think that was one thing that uh, actually you, you said to me. One of the things I learned from you uh, was uh, why we stick uh, why we stick so much to the traditional music in that is yeah. that we as the congregation yeah. are preaching to each other. Yes, yes, yes. Well, look at what are you doing when you take the Lord's Supper? You are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And that's in one of the, it's in the communion liturgy in um, setting one and two, mm-hmm. where it says, you know, you know, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So, you know, even the layperson preach a sermon on Sunday. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, right? and that, this yeah. was something that I had not thought of yeah. until you explained it to me. Yeah, yeah. That they, 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 yeah, they preach too. Yeah, you know, you preach and they preach, and you know, we are all we are all encouraged, and uh-huh. you know, and that is that. That is also why you know coming together for worship becomes so crucial, 
because we need that encouragement. We need to be encouraged by each other. Um, I need to be encouraged. And I am encouraged when I see, you know, the faithful, committed members show up even on a bad day. You know, you look outside at the weather and you go, oh, nobody's going to come today. <laughs> and when you look and you open the doors and you see the faithful, committed members come in, you go, man, you know, this is encouraging, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, you're right. Pastors are supposed to encourage their members. But I think they're also encouraged. You know, I, I, yeah, I always remember this. Uh, that happened to me when I was uh, on Vicarage. Um. I went to visit one of the members um, at uh, La Cleve Grove Nursing Home, mm-hmm. and uh, she was uh, didn't have long for this world. And it was after Passion Week, after Passion Sunday, Palm Sunday, and uh, I went to see her, and she was lying in bed, and she told me she said, "I have my arms folded." under the sheet. So go ahead, pastor. Go ahead, vicar. (laughs) And she told me her Bible was in the bedside table, and it was the King James Version. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, let me just read uh, the passion story to her. And uh, I'm reading, and she has her arm folded and her eyes closed, and the passion reading is long. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself... um, she can't still be with me. She's probably falling asleep now. And I stopped. And she gave me the next couple of words as if, if you lost your place, this is where you pick up. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is an elderly woman who have heard the passion reading year mm-hmm. after year. Mm-hmm. And she knew the reading to the point where she could give me the next couple of words and go, this is where you pick up, Vicar, if you lost your place. (laughs) So you are, I mean, so on the one hand, you know, we go to encourage people and you end up walking out encouraged, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, you go, go, who ministered to to whom now? Did I minister to her or did she minister to me, you know? So, uh, you know, so, and, and there's that, you know, and I think that's, you expect that from your pastor. You expect him to minister to mm-hmm. you. Um, but I think sometimes, you know, I think it's uh, it's it's important for parishioners to also realize that they minister to their pastor when they are committed. You know, when they are committed to the church and they show that commitment um, in the in so many ways because it's encouraging to him also. Yeah. But that's, that's one area where I think the responsibility plays out because you want God's people to be fed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you use the liturgy, you use the, the, the scriptures, and you use the sacrament um, to, so that they are fed, so that they are built up in their, in their most holy faith. But also, I think um, there is a, a one-on-one aspect, which I think you alluded to, when you talk about, you know, if I were sick, mm-hmm. you know, um, who would come see me? And, you know, that's where it becomes one-on-one, you know, where if someone can't make it to church, the pastor now has the responsibility of taking church 
to them. You know, um, we had members that uh, um, were in nursing homes mm-hmm. and could no longer come to church. And so you know, it was my responsibility to, to take church to them. And that's part of what should be expected of a pastor, you know, to go and, and, and see, take church, take church to the people who cannot come to church. And, you know, that's, that's part of the role here. <clears throat> excuse me. That's part of the role that we play here at KFUO is we have numerous, numerous services on the uh, air. Yes. And that's, that's what we're thinking is that, uh, are there people out there, whether they're traveling, whether they're in, bed sick yes, yes. for whatever reason they can't go to their their church but we can bring it to them the one thing we can't do is give them communion <laughs> yeah right yeah, but, and that's where the pastor go you know that's why i go to them yeah. and and take church to them because i i can i can yeah. take the sacrament to them you know as you talk about this one-on-one too i remember when i first came to to saint james um you know, I always heard about um, pastors being on call 24-7. Mm-hmm. I go, well, does that really ever happen? You know, who would call you midnight, you know? And uh, when I first came to St. James, <laughs> I remember I got a call 2 o'clock one morning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was from the president of the congregation. And uh, he said, there is this member that wants to see you. He's not sure he's going to live until the morning. And he told me who it was, where the person lived. And uh, sure enough, you know, you get up and you get dressed and you go and uh, see this person and commune this person, you know. And uh, the person lived... I think a couple more days before passing. Um, but you realize that, yeah, there is that one-on-one where, you know, a person might feel, you know, I need, I need the gospel just one more time, you yeah. know? I don't know if I'm going to live until the morning, and I need the gospel one more time. Do you get up and go give this person Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. You know, that's your responsibility. That's what they should expect of you. They shouldn't expect you to go, oh, I'm tired. I'm in bed. You know, you know, mm-hmm. my door is locked. You know, um, you know, I'll see you in the morning. No, 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 no. If someone needs Jesus, <laughs> you go give them Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, the, um, I, I took a, um, uh, a year out between my junior and senior years at college. And uh, I spent that year working in the Barnes Hospital emergency room. Ah. I, I was the clerk who asked you all the silly questions before they do anything to you. <laughs> That's triage, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but one of, one of my duties was that I was supposed to get in touch with that person's pastor or priest or rabbi. Ah. You know, when the family requested it or if the person died. Yes, yes. It, that was part of my job, was to call the spiritual leader. Yes. And let them know that the parishioner has passed on. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there was there really is that. Yes. That's, in, in fact, I have been called by hospitals on, on more than one occasion. Mm. They tell me, oh, you're mem- you, know, you have a member here. And it was someone that was in a nursing home, 
got ill and was transported to the hospital and the hospital called and said um you know you have a member here and sure you go up and you uh, and you see this person in fact um the memorial service that we had um i heard about this member being at, at Barnes from another member. Ah. I think he called me Monday evening and said, you know, so-and-so is at Barnes. I go, oh, okay, let me go see him. And, you know, went to see him Tuesday, and uh, he was uh, he was expecting to have surgery Wednesday or Thursday. So I went back Thursday, and that canceled the surgery. Everything was looking good, like... He wasn't going to need surgery. He was up and being his jovial self as always. And uh, um, Saturday morning, his daughter called and said, uh, "Friday evening he passed." And that was a that that was surprised me. I did not. I I was not expecting him to pass. I don't think he was expecting to pass either. Well, you never know the hour. You never know the hour. That's true. That's true. Unfortunately, I know it's the half hour, and I got to take a break right (laughs) now. But we'll we'll come back. We got a lot more to talk about. Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance and Moments of Assurance Weekend. On the next weekend program, I'll share thoughts about these words from the prophet. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, the fields have no food. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I'll talk about a no matter what rejoicing on the next MOA weekend, heard at 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday morning on Worldwide KFUO. Worldwide KFUO Radio salutes our day sponsor on this Friday, May 31st, 2019. Today's day sponsor is Jeannie Martin. Today's day sponsor has made a contribution to Worldwide KFUO Radio in honor of her friends Barbara, Sandra, and Carlene. Once again, we say thank you to Jeannie Martin of Quincy, Illinois, today's Worldwide KFUO day sponsor. I'm Pastor Ken Bomberger. Join me weekday mornings at 7.15 for Orazio, your time of scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. We shall fight all the beasts. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. On the eve of World War II, within days of becoming Prime Minister of Great Britain, Winston Churchill faced the inevitability of trying to defeat a powerful enemy, Nazi Germany. Great Britain's Darkest Hour is the subject and title of a new film released nationwide. In a radio broadcast earlier in 1940, Winston Churchill encouraged a nation using words from John 14. The day will come when victorious nations will plan and build in justice, in tradition, and in freedom a house of many mansions 
where there will be room for all. In 1941, he wrote, The more closely we follow the Sermon on the Mount, the more likely we are to succeed in our endeavors. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, good afternoon and welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Guest pastor today is Pastor Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City. And we are talking about what the parishioner expects of the pastor, what the pastor expects of the parishioner, <laughs> and what we can learn from each other. Yeah. <laughs> so now if you have some thoughts on that and you want to comment, you know, call us at uh, State Lewis, including Metro East at 314-821-0850 or anywhere in the lower 48. Toll free at 1-800-730-2727 or email. Drop us a line at letstalk at kfuo.org. Oh, Pastor Lawrence, we are learning a lot here. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, know, you know, one thing I that has, I won't say bothered me, but I think is probably weighs heavily on on you. Okay, is the knowledge that you are responsible for so many souls. Yeah, maybe you're not responsible per se, but you know, you're the you are the you're the spiritual guidance for for many people. And, you know, we talked about in the past where the the, the pastor might not be teaching, just preaching. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, and, and there have even been instances of false doctrine that have come out sometimes in different churches. <laughs> yeah. And, boy, those are the things that you really need to to avoid. And I'm sure this is something that you take special pains about. Yeah, that's why, you know, we try to make sure, you know, and, and I love meeting with the brothers on Tuesday um, as we do our exegetical study, um, just to make sure that uh, we understand the text, you know, correctly, you know, how it fits in with all of Scripture, you know, what it is saying to us, where is the law, where is the gospel, you know, how does where is I like uh, one of the brothers when he present one of the questions he always asks is, where is Jesus in this text? Mm. And uh, you know, make you think, really make you stop and think. But here's something that uh, you know we should also take in the consideration. Um, pastors like to talk. You know? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> they sometimes have this gift of gab, you know, and you, you know you start them off and you can't stop them, you know. But I think uh, it's also important in uh, in their relationship with parishioners to remember to listen, mm. you know, to pause and 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 to listen because um, you might know what you want to say. But how are you going to know what that other person is thinking or feeling if you didn't stop and listen? And so it's it's also crucial in that uh, that that uh, that you that parishioners should expect this that this is someone who um, I've got his ear. Mm-hmm. I don't just have his knowledge. I don't just have his gift of gab. But I also have his ears. Yeah. You know, if I call him, he's going to stop. He's going to listen to me. He's going to listen to my concern um, before giving me an answer. You mm-hmm. know, he's not going to just assume 
what I should what it, what I should be hearing and just tell me, but he's gonna stop and uh, and listen. And I think that's you know when you go and do homebound visits. I think sometimes you know my homebound visits take longer than they should. For that reason, you know, I want to listen for a while, hear what's going on with this member. You know, um, what are they going through? What's 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 happening in in their life? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's important to listen and to know where they are at, because. You know, and besides, you know, <laughs> that also helps you with preaching, ah. because <laughs> you know, as you are preparing certain texts, you are also bearing in mind what you have heard, not just from the scripture, but from parishioners. You know, what is it that they are thinking, mm-hmm. and that you need to address? Oh yeah. Uh, let me give you another for instance here. Yeah. Uh, uh, when my wife was dying some years back, um, I was having some real difficult spiritual times dealing with this. Mm. And um, I remember I called my pastor, <clears throat> uh, Pastor Coppersmith out in California, and uh, he wasn't in, so I left a message on the answering machine and said something to the effect of, you know, my wife is is dying and I'm so torn between grief and anger and guilt, yeah. and I need to know what to do. Yeah. And so that was it. Not t- 10, 15 minutes later, he calls me uh. and says, I hear you. Come in. We'll talk about this. And the thing was, he knew exactly what I was saying. Yes, 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 because he listened. Yeah, and that was so important to me. Yes, that he heard you. Yeah. You know? Not that he heard me so much, but he understood so what you, I was saying. Yes, yeah. right. And I'm sure he learned that from other parishioners who were in a similar situation. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, the things you hear, the things you hear. And, you know, um, I remember when I took this course at seminary called Pastor as Counselor. Ah. <laughs> and, of course, you know, the first thing he makes clear to you is, you're not a professional counselor. <laughs> if somebody needs professional counseling, you refer them, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I think he wanted you to understand that listening for difficulties that people are having, sin, because the counseling that we do is... Um, is you could you could almost call it private confession. You know, it's not the private confession that uh, you you see in the Roman Catholic Church, where you know one going one side of the the box and the other one is in the other yeah. side, and he goes, "Bless me, Father, for I have sinned." It's been umpteen years since my last confession, <laughs> and he starts <laughs> yeah, and right. he starts enumerating his sin. You know, um, I've been through that. I grew up Roman Catholic. <laughs> You know, so I know what it's like to go in and, and try to list all my sins. But I think the Impossible. kind of, and, and you can't, you know, who remembers all their sins, no. you know. <laughs> but, you know, I think in our private confession, it's always a case of um, listening and absolving. You know, listening and absolving. 
because as as you listen to the difficulty that a person goes through, the ups and down, the emotional turmoil, the anger or whatever, yeah. um, and you understand it, um, you don't want to... This is not a time for the law. This is a time for the gospel. Ah, good point. You know, this is a time for the gospel. Um, and to remind them that God loves them anyway. You know, God forgave the sin that they committed yesterday, today, and even the sin they're going to commit tomorrow. Well, there was a, a, a thing I remember talking to another one of the pastors here. Uh, Judas's big sin was not that he betrayed Jesus. It was that he thought he couldn't be forgiven for it. Right, right. The thing that, you know, this, uh, I can't be forgiven or rejecting forgiveness. Yeah, um, or or being impenitent, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's the danger. But uh, look at, and then look at Peter, the other one who also denied Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Towards the end, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, take care of my sheep. Um, that restoration of Peter, um, Jesus was telling him, you're denying me. I died for those sins. Those sins are forgiven. You know, and I think that's where the one-on-one um, comes in and the listening and the absolving uh, to remind um, members, and sometimes what you're saying to them is also for you, because they're telling you things that you have also experienced. Oh, you know, I remember once my when my my own son was in the military and he was calling me and describing to me what he was going through, how he was feeling. And I'm sitting there going, is he talking about him or is he talking about me? Interesting. Yeah. So sometimes what can be what the person is describing to you, you can relate to it because you may have experienced it. It's not like those people are sinners and I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of my colleagues said to me at a conference, he says, um, chief of sinners, though I be, Wayne is worse than me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, you know, so, <laughs> so, so therefore. And Lutherans aren't supposed to laugh. <laughs> I, you know, so, so what happened is that I, if, I, if I'm the chief, if I'm the chief in the congregation, then I'm the chief sinner, right? Yeah. So, you know, he said, chief of sinners, though I be, Wayne is worse than me. Like, okay. <laughs> you know? And, and so, you know, it's not like they are sinners and I'm not. Yeah. That absolution is not only for them. You know, when we pronounce absolution on Sundays, it's not only for the parishioners. Yeah, it's also, it's, also, yourself too. it's also for me. Yeah. <laughs> and you partake of the you partake of the Eucharist as well. Uh, yes. You notice, you know, one of the beauty about our liturgy is there is this pause between the confession yeah. and the absolution. And I'm not just counting to go, okay, it's time to do the absolution. It's time for me to also ponder, I'm a sinner too. Mm. You know, these are my personal sins, you know, that I wrestle with. 
and I need God's absolution too. Um, so yeah, so the, you know, you, it's not a matter of you know. So you listen, yes, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes they're describing sins that you have wrestled with, and so you know, it's time for confession and absolution. You know, that's oh, yeah. that's that's the Lutheran private confession and absolution when it's one on one with a person, and uh, you develop um, you develop a relationship. You bond with. Your parishioners. Sometimes you even become their friend. Absolutely, you become their friend. You know, and uh, you know, and those are the ones where you know when the time come to do uh, a funeral, mm-hmm. it's it's um, it can be emotionally draining because you had bonded with this person over the years that you know them, and this person had become like a friend to you. You know, it's like the the memorial service um, we just had. Um, I've known him for for so many years now, for all 17 years that I'm at St. James and visited with him many times. And I remember we had this running joke between us because when he would talk about um, his children and how old they were, I would go, but... Um, your children are close to my age. Are you telling me you could be my dad? <laughs> and so we had this running joke with each other where I would call him dad and he would say son. <laughs> you know? But, you know, so you develop a relationship with these people. Their relationship is with Christ and uh, their relationship is also with one another and with their pastor, you know. Um, and that's important to in a church mm-hmm. to have a re- to have really to have fellowship with each other to have a relationship with the members and with the pastor you know um so that he's you've got not only his knowledge and his gift of gab but you've got his ears yeah. you've got his ears you got someone who cares about you and he's going to listen um to what's going on with you and you know your concerns yeah yeah yeah, I remember um, when I was going through my uh, my period of, uh, I guess, of doubt. You know, for for a long time, I was not uh, active in the church. I never, I never went the route of, of of becoming an atheist, but I did go through the period of, or gee, do I really need organized religion? Do I really can't I just be a Christian at home? And. Uh, <clears throat> The answer was no. <laughs> no exactly, exactly. Because you know, because if you look at uh, if if Christianity is about relationship, mm-hmm. you know, um, in order to have a relationship with someone, you have to have contact. You know, yeah. you got to talk to this person. You got to listen to this person. You know, that's what relationships are all about. In fact, if a if if a if a soldier is in war and he gets a letter from his wife at home do you know anything dearer to him when he's in his foxhole and that letter in his pocket mm-hmm. if he's got time what is he going to do pull it out and read it yeah because those are the thoughts and the words of his wife the person that loves him you know mm-hmm. and that's how we are as christian we see the Bible is God's love letter to us, you know, and so we we want to hear it read. We want to read it, 
you know um so it, you know i think this relationship aspect of of christianity is uh, is crucial why we can't just think of oh i don't need organized religion mm-hmm. i don't need to go to church i can you know just be by myself and and uh, and that's all no we um, we have been reconciled not only to god but to each other and we need to live like reconciled people. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and one thing that was pointed out to me by uh, <laughs> by a very religious gentleman was, you can't give yourself communion. You need the bread and wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, right. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah I Gee, I hadn't you. thought of that. I thought of that <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're right on that because I I do remember when I first started to come back to the church. Uh, uh, the pastor at that particular church is talking about uh, w- the essential parts of, of worship, and mm-hmm. one of the things he said was it must be in public. It must be with people. Yes, yes. It must be part of people. Yeah, it, you confess with people. Right. Yes. You receive the absolution with people. With people. Yes. You commune with, with people. people. Yeah. We are the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm not the body of Christ alone, but with these people, we are the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. That that um, that relationship aspect, that fellowship aspect, mm-hmm. is is um, is crucial, and uh, so that's why we expect from our pastor to to be in church. You know, yeah. um, how would you feel if uh, you showed up and there was just no pastor? You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You know yeah. what, what happened here? You know, um, so you know. I think it, you know. Yeah, you should expect your pastor to be there. You should expect him to um, to conduct the worship mm-hmm. service. And uh, not only do you expect something from him, you should also expect something from your fellow parishioners. You should expect them to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, you should expect them to show up also. Well, you know, there's one uh, one member of our congregation. Uh, <laughs> I love the way she sings because I can always follow the hymnal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really it's it's kind of funny. I really hadn't thought of it, but you know, I I always listen for her voice. Oh, okay, yeah, because she stands out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I know I can follow along with her. It's almost like we're singing a duet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole congregation singing, but you know, I'm singing along with her. Cause, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and that's you know part of the beauty about um, Saint James, the warmth, the, mm. the you know the friendliness, the fellowship that is there. Oh um, yes, yeah, it's. Uh, um, I enjoy. I mean, I'm encouraged by it. I'm encouraged by them, and uh, I hope I am encouraging to them. You know, source of encouragement um, also to them in their, in their in their faith walk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I think they, they are, we are, uh, you know, as I mentioned about the sermons, uh, there's a lot in the Bible that tends to my mind at any rate to be obscure. Yeah. And gee, what the heck does this mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Uh, but that's, you know, somehow you, you're able to do that is that you take the passage, you know, that's, that's going to be studied this particular week. Yeah. And then bring it down to a human level. Yeah. And that's not going to take a lot of, of uh, intense study on your part when you write this out. You know, trying to think, how does this specifically relate 
Not, not just where's the where's Jesus in the passage, yes. but how does it specifically relate to the to the parishioner? How can yeah. this person understand it? Yeah, how do I say it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I say it to make it um, understandable? Yeah, that's true, and that's uh, that's some wrestling. That is some wrestling as you wrestle with the text. Mm. You know, you wrestle with the text and. Uh, you know, um, I often sometimes think about um, um, Jacob, you know, wrestling. Um, That's with the angel. Yeah. <laughs> or the Syria-Phoenician woman, you know, and just won't give up until, you know, the Holy Spirit goes, okay, here's what you need. <laughs> you know, you got to wrestle with it um, until the Holy Spirit teach you what to say. Yeah. Um, so you know, there's more than academics oh, yeah. to 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 sermonizing, you know, um, and, and and you know, I like the way they say it in the catechism. You know, yeah, we we use language, we use logic, and we use, you know, to understand the Bible. But then they say, but we also need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, like that's so crucial. Mm -hmm. Because without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, you will not understand this. And you will not be able to preach it right. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's got to be the guidance of the Spirit. Yeah. Mm. Well, learning a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really, I, I learned so much from this program. Yeah, I, and, and I wondered what this would be like to... To come and talk about uh, these little um, parishioners' questions, I wonder what it would be like. And uh, huh. I tell you, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I look forward to every time I come, and look forward to to coming back. This is fun. <laughs> this is fun. As they say, you know, whoever heard of Lutherans laughing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, come on, just kidding out there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. <laughs> No, uh, you know, we have a, a a reputation. I think that is totally unwarranted out there among non-Lutherans that we tend yeah. to be rather dour. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I I was at a <laughs> years ago. We used to have a Weight Watchers group here at uh, at the uh, Senate, and it was yeah. it was taught by one of the Weight Watcher people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember a group of us walked in, and just before the class, and she's doing these dance routines. <laughs> And uh, one of us said, gee, dancing at the church. I love this. And she just, the, the, she just turned white. She yeah. Said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I didn't mean to offend. It's, Lady, it's okay. we're Lutherans. We're not Baptists. We drink. We sing. We dance. We laugh. <laughs> I, re I remember when I had um, this course um, with... Uh, um, was on was preaching was homiletical course, uh -huh. and uh, the professor was uh, explaining something about connecting sermons with uh, with the liturgy, and uh, he, re he he told us of this experience that a vicar had. That the vicar went out and uh, was in a church where um, this lady from a Baptist church came in. Mm -hmm. And uh, while the pastor is preaching, this lady would interrupt the sermon by saying, praise the Lord, a couple of times. <laughs> and 
by the time the lady said it the third time, one of the ushers came down from the back and touched her on the shoulder and goes, Lady, this is a Lutheran church. We don't praise the Lord here. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, and then he says, listen, guys, the reason why we have the hymn of praise in our liturgy is because we do praise the Lord. You know? <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> on that note, we're going to go away until next Friday. <laughs> Pastor, thank you so much oh, for being on the program. Oh, it's good to be here. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.